0: Good morning. Thank you for joining us for this, the 51st installment of Face the Truth, the weekly podcast of the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas. As always, I count it a great honor to have you listening, and I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to everyone who tunes in. I pray that those who have been sick are starting to feel better just know that we continue to pray for each of you and we believe that god's going to continue to provide strength and health as only he can now with regards to our service schedule for the coming week here is the plan tonight at seven o'clock we'll have a brief time of prayer via teams you'll use the same phone number to connect as what we've used for the last two services but you'll need to know the correct meeting ID number. If you want to participate in this time of prayer, please contact me or one of our ministers in order to obtain that number. Then on Sunday morning, we will again be streaming the services from the Truth Church of Lacine beginning at 10.30 a.m. This will be on our Facebook page and our YouTube site as well as our church website. Sunday night and Tuesday night, we'll again meet via Teams. I've been blessed by our last two Teams meetings, and I truly look forward to joining with our church family yet again. We've spent the last several weeks dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. Having finished that study last Thursday, we're going to introduce a new topic on today's podcast It's one I am looking forward to addressing. As you'll see, it's a subject that I believe is extremely important, especially in this day and age. Starting today and continuing for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about the gifts of the Spirit, specifically the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let us go to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians as we get started in this necessary study. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Before going any farther, I want you to see that this was a subject about which the Apostle Paul did not want the church to be without information. The word that's translated ignorant here simply means to not know through a lack of information. As I've often pointed out, there's a great difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is simply not having the knowledge of something. Stupidity is not having the ability to gain knowledge. And the Apostle Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to lack knowledge concerning this subject of spiritual gifts. I read uh, where one preacher made a statement. He said, ignorance is a vice, not a virtue. It is not bliss. If there is any subject about which we should not be ignorant, and yet a large portion of the church Today is, it's spiritual gifts. With the Lord's help, I want to attempt to rectify that problem over the next few weeks. Before getting into the specifics of the gifts themselves, there are some preliminary things of which I would like to make note. Let's look again at 1 Corinthians 12, and let's go this time to verse number 31. He says... Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Paul said we are to covet earnestly the best gifts. The phrase covet earnestly means to pursue, to strive for, to zealously seek after. We should be pursuing, striving for, and zealously seeking after the impartation of spiritual gifts. I am convinced that we cannot hope to impact our world without the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit. Now consider the conditions under which Paul raised up a church in Corinth. One man wrote, with a population of over one half million persons, Corinth was one of the most prominent Greek cities of Paul's day. It was intellectually arrogant, materially affluent, morally corrupt, and notoriously sensual. There were a few former Jews in the congregation, but most were Gentiles and ex-pagans. He went on to say one of the accepted forms of Corinthian religion was ecstasy, which was supposed to be a supernatural, and very sensuous ceremony. John MacArthur comments, it involved communion with a deity, and through frenzied hypnotic chants and ceremonies, worshipers experienced semi-conscious euphoric feelings of oneness with the god or goddess. Often, the ceremony would be preceded by vigils and fastings, and would even include drunkenness contemplation of sacred objects, whirling dances, fragrant incense, chants, and other such physical and psychological stimuli customarily were used to induce the ecstasy, which would be in the form of an out-of-body trance or an unrestrained sexual orgy. Sexual ecstasies were common in many ancient religions, and were so much associated with Corinth that the term Corinthianize meant to indulge in extreme sexual immorality. Acrocorinth was a high hill rising above the city that sported a temple where a thousand prostitutes plied their art and religion. How could Paul go into a city as wicked as Corinth and yet raise up a strong apostolic church? Well, he answered that question himself. First Corinthians chapter two, verses one through five. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. When Paul built a church, it was not with man's wisdom or abilities, but by the power of the Spirit. Now, saints, we find ourselves living in an extremely wicked society today, not unlike Corinth. I am convinced that if we are going to accomplish anything in this hour, it will only be by the supernatural work of the Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, most of us know it. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I would remind you that when Paul introduced this subject of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, he used a very specific adjective. Let's look at it again, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It's important to note that he referred to these gifts as spiritual gifts. He obviously did that so as to point out that the gifts are not natural. They cannot be conjured up. They can't be educated in. They are spiritual. One cannot develop a spiritual gift, nor get a little bit of a spiritual gift. These gifts come and operate by the divine plan, purpose, and power of God. First Corinthians 12 verses 4 through 11, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, But it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will notice the terms in the verses i just read the terms that are uh, by the spirit it's given by the spirit given by the same spirit and then it's given as he will as god will they flow from the mind of god who alone knows the special needs of both individuals and congregations So we're not talking about talents or abilities or skills. I actually had a man tell me one time, while you may have the gift of tongues, I have the gift of writing. Writing is not a spiritual gift. It's a human ability or talent. Human skills can be dedicated and utilized in Christian service, but they will never equal the power to achieve that is provided by the Spirit of God. As we go through these lessons over the next few weeks, it's highly important to remember this one thing. We are dealing with supernatural enablement. The moment a person begins to operate in their human will, it ceases to be a supernatural operation. Another thing I want to address is the purpose of the gifts, according to the scriptures. That purpose is stated in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul wrote, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So according to the apostle, these gifts are given to profit with all. Barnes Notes on the New Testament offers this explanation of that phrase. He says it means to be an advantage to the church for the common good of all. The Holman Christian Standard Bible translates this verse as follows. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. The Apostle Paul also taught that all things including the operation of spiritual gifts, are to be done unto edifying. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. As has been pointed out many times, the word edifying literally means building up, or as Thayer's Greek lexicon puts it, promoting growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, holiness. The gifts of the Spirit should never be used for tearing down, but always for building up. In order to make sure that the gifts are used for the proper purpose the bible actually sets forth certain rules which are established to govern their usage look at 1 corinthians 12:3 wherefore i give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of god calleth jesus accursed and that no man can say that jesus is the lord but by the holy ghost what i want you to notice is the first part of this verse wherefore i give you to understand According to Barnes Notes, that phrase, I give you to understand, literally means I give you this rule to distinguish. You see, God is a God of order. He is a God of authority. Therefore, even the supernatural gifts are governed by rules. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 26 to 32. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed unto another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now, this is a list of rules that the Apostle Paul set forth under the inspiration of the Spirit of God for the operation of the gifts. And we'll discuss these rules when we discuss the particular gifts to which they apply. But right now, I want to point out that it's not just anything goes so long as you feel the Spirit. Remember this, chaos never edifies, and confusion is not of God. Now, one final thing I want to talk about before getting into the gifts themselves is the fact that it is possible for a gift to be imparted by spiritual transference. And it's possible for spiritual gifts to lay dormant. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, "...neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery." 2 Timothy 1, 6, "...wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands." Paul clearly stated that Timothy had been given a gift through the laying on of the hands of spiritual elders, and that he needed to be sure he did not neglect that gift, but rather he take time, put forth the effort, and stir it up. Now, with all that behind us, let's take a brief look at the gifts of the Spirit themselves. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 through 10 For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. In this passage, Paul listed nine gifts of the Spirit. They are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Now, we'll define and examine each of these gifts in future lessons, but I want to focus right now on breaking these nine gifts into three basic categories. First, there are the three gifts of revelation. These are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. These gifts are Provide the divine ability to know. Next, there are three gifts of power. This is faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. These gifts provide the divine ability to act. And finally, there are the three gifts of inspiration. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. These gifts provide the divine ability to speak. Now, again, I'll take time in future lessons to explain each of these gifts and how they function. I'll also do my best to provide scriptural examples to help you better understand them. But I just wanted you to get an idea of the gifts themselves. Before concluding today's podcast, I want to make three points which I believe are pertinent to this topic. First, I want to address something Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And what did the apostle Paul mean when he said we were to covet earnestly the best gifts? What are the best gifts? Well, since the gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of edifying and strengthening, we can surmise that those gifts are best, which are most profitable to the church. As we look into the Scripture, the only other place Paul uses the term covet with regards to spiritual gifts is found in 1 Corinthians 14.39, where he writes, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. It can be assumed then that prophecy is one of the best gifts. One might also by context infer that diverse kinds of tongues would fit into that category. And if that's true, then it's safe to assume that the interpretation of tongues would also fit into that category since the gift of tongues requires an interpreter first corinthians 14 verses 27 and 28 says if any man speak in an unknown tongue let it be by two or at the most by three and that by course and let one interpret but if there be no interpreter let him keep silence in the church let him speak to himself and to god so there is a requirement uh, not to have one without the other it's also been suggested that this term the best gifts Uh, was used by Paul to simply mean the best one for the situation at hand. In other words, if someone is sick, prophecy is probably not what they need. They need someone to operate in the gifts of healing. If someone's in need of direction in their life, however, the gift of healing would not be the best gift for that situation. The second thing I want to point out is that being used in the gifts is not necessarily a sign of spirituality. Having a tool does not equate with qualification. Just like having a hammer does not mean you're a carpenter. The Corinthians were undoubtedly one of the most carnal churches in New Testament times, but they had an abundance of spiritual gifts operating in their midst. You see, God uses people in the gifts of the Spirit based on two criteria the need for the gift and the willingness of the recipient to be used. The final issue I want to address on this topic is that it is impossible for a person to have a gift of the Spirit if they don't have the gift of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Spiritual gifts are given to people who are filled with the Spirit evidenced by speaking in other tongues. If you've never been born of the Spirit that should be your first pursuit followed by developing a spiritual walk then you should make yourself available to God for him to use you in one or more spiritual gift. True church, there is one thing that is certain. We need the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our assembly today. Therefore, let each of us purpose. We are going to begin a spiritual pursuit to have those gifts working in our lives. Let me say once more how much I appreciate you joining us today. Also, I want to remind you that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything you need, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer requests to prayer at That's prayer at Be sure to join us online for service this weekend. Sunday morning service will be via live stream at 10:30. You can join the service on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, or our website, newlifepc.com listen. Sunday evening at 6, as well as Tuesday evening at 730, we will again be having special call-in services via Microsoft Teams. You will need to obtain the meeting ID number in order to join. Contact me or one of our other ministers to get those meeting ID numbers. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.